Hey there, it's Dr. Heidi. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, a podcast geared towards the things you may be misunderstanding about the difficult relationships in your life. I did not understand it when I was in it, but I definitely understand it now, and I want to share that understanding with you so that you too can find the courage you didn't know you had to make the changes you didn't think you could make. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People. This is Dr. Heidi. Um, So today, after, well, really not begging, I didn't really beg her, Um, but we asked her several, I asked her several times over the last couple of years, hey, I need you to be on the podcast. I need you to be on the podcast. And she would always go, okay, let me know when. And then lives get involved and families get involved and schedules. And so today, finally, Um, I have a guest on the podcast and actually we were just acquaintances and over the years and things in common, we become very good friends. And so um, hopefully I'll get to tease her a little bit while we're on this, but I would like to welcome Shannon. Thank you for finally taking time in your busy schedule to do this with me. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. And I feel like, I do feel like this is, this is one of the busiest ladies I have ever met in my life. So even though I'm busy, I do feel like I'm imposing. So if you need to send me a bill or, or whatever, um, or you can just owe me lunch. That's right. That's right. Are you, Um, I can't decide which one, but that's right. Oh yes. I, I owe you lunch. Right. Okay. So tell, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, whatever you want them to know, and then we'll get into why you're actually on the podcast today. Sure. I'm really just normal girl, uh, trying to do normal things to get through life. Right. So it's so funny how you talk about time and being busy. That's one of my things is that people who, um, always are the martyr when it comes to time, I never have time and, and how people uh, shame people for time. Like when I'll say, Oh, I love watching Netflix. What show are you watching? And people go, oh, I have no time for that. I'm thinking, you're lost, loser. I mean, I need Netflix at night for me to unwind my brain. Because let's be honest, we all have 24 hours in every day. You have the same 24. I have the same 24. And it's all how we prioritize that time. It's just like, you know, as we talk about today, my relationship with my mother, it's all about how we prioritize how we're going to get through this thing called life. And so being that normal person, I'm married, I have two kids, um, three fur babies, and, you know, I work full time. I try to have a good work-life balance. Um, I think that all of this kind of healing and putting my life back together, because it always wasn't together, right? Um, I've learned that everything has to have balance. Just like when I go to the movies, when I get the extra butter popcorn, I have to get the Diet Coke, right? Because, well, heck. It balances, it balances out. Exactly. And it's funny too, though, we say, you know, there's times in our life when we weren't in balance, like we're actually in balance now. We're not, we've just learned how to counteract the balance. So we still feel like we're in balance. I know like, like we're empty nested now. And, and I, I think, oh my goodness, there's so much more time to do this and so much less worry about that. But in the end, it's, it's really all the same. Now they're just bigger calling from farther places away and still needing just as much stuff as they've always needed, you know? So it's just our balance, our balance things just shift around. 
Um, but I do admire you. I have to tell you that because some of the things that you've done in your life are what I perceive as big and you always perceive them as just like, oh yeah, that was just another thing. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's so, that's so admirable to me. She's just, she just flies through stuff like, yeah, it's no big deal. Um, but when you came to work with me and I don't remember exactly how long ago, maybe three years. Um, it will be, it's be four years this fall. Okay. And, and we had known each other on, you know, pretty superficial basis at that point. But when you came to me, you wanted to talk to me about the relationship that, that you had with your mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, as, as I know, it was, it was very tumultuous. Um, and your upbringing patterns that you noticed were carrying over into your, into your present life. So what I'm, I have never asked you is what, what made you go, Oh, I think I need to talk to her. I think I need to work with her. Sure. Sure. So, you know, um, it all happened around my birthday. So I think we all have a tipping point at some point where we decide something has to give right back to that being in balance. If I'm on that teeter totter, that top that's down when the other side's up and I, and I can't get back in balance and it wasn't for lack of trying. So up until my birthday, you know, I would say my mother and I had a very kind of toxic relationship that I didn't know it was toxic until I started to step back and look at it. But really when I noticed that we were having some problems is when I went away to college, right? So the whole time my mother raised me as a single parent, um, you know, my relationship was just with her, right? So she was the caretaker and I was that older child, very respectful, didn't talk back. And she always told me, right, what she did for me. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for me, these things wouldn't happen. You know, your father is not in the picture. So I have to do this. So I felt very connected to her that I had to have her. And she was like a lifeline growing up. And obligated, so I, very obligated. And yeah, very, very obligated. obligated to her because of all these things that she was doing. You know, we didn't you know, we didn't grow up with a whole lot. So I always worried about money and, and how she was doing and how she was handling things. Um, and so when I went off to college, I started to realize, wow, the world is different. And I'm meeting different people outside of my hometown and seeing how relationships are. And it started to challenge some of those thoughts I had growing up that maybe some of that obligation wasn't healthy right? And feeling guilty wasn't healthy or feeling, you know, that I always had to please her wasn't healthy. Now, I want to have the disclaimer before I even get started to say, this is my story. Um, this is not me coming on blaming others. This is my perception of my life and how I've navigated through it because I'm choosing and I chose four years ago and now four years forward that I'm even stronger with the statement. I no longer want to be a victim in my story because when we say, oh, growing up, this is what happened to me or when I'm an adult, this is what she did to me. And this, that was me, right? I was saying, oh, my mom was doing this or that. I was being a victim just much as I was saying that she had victim mentality. I chose to no longer be a victim in my story. So growing up, I, I saw that. I came out of that noticing that maybe the relationship wasn't very healthy. There was a few things, um, some big things in my life that happened that had me, there was some trauma, there was some things that personally happened to me. 
and really kind of rocked my relationship with my mother because I kind of saw some, what I would say, some true colors about what really meant the most to her. Was it me or was it really what, how it affected her? And when it, I always tried to save her. So in many times I would say, mom, you, if you could just love yourself more, right? If you would, you know, not be so jealous of other people in my life, if you wouldn't be so jealous of, and I said it's a little bit softer, of course, because that's a little bit more, but of accomplishments that I, I had. As you said, Heidi, I don't toot my own horn often. And the reason why I probably don't is because it was never enough, right? Because, you know, sharing accomplishments was always seen as kind of pushing someone else down to hold yourself up. So what I decided to do is, okay, you never really share that. Um, and so that was part of me trying to get her, fix her and fix our relationship. Ironically, the few times that I did it, um, I had a few beverages and she'd always call that out. You only talk to me like this when you've been drinking. Well, guess what? It's because of the only time I was courageous enough, easy right. to say, courageous enough to do it. I had some liquid courage on board and I could speak my heart because many times when you're in those toxic relationships, when you speak your heart, because that's your totally like, tell me how you feel. That person on the other hand, other end is taking down everything that you're saying and keeping score. So the minute you shut up, it's all coming back at you. And so I learned that wasn't really working. So why I came to you is that we had one of these moments. Um, I had a birthday. Um, I, you know, had that liquid courage. Thought I would try it one more time. And it didn't work out, right? It, it didn't work out well for me. And that's what I decided I needed to take charge and do something different. Um, just because she was my biological mother didn't give her the right to be in my life, right? Just because as we choose, like we, people always say, choose the people who bring you energy, people who bring you, well, that includes your family. That includes, you know, um, extended family, people at work, like you have to choose these folks. And it was interesting because I wanted to get her out of my life. I actually um, picked up a book before I saw you, Dr. Heidi, that was, and this just resonated with me. Yeah, the title is You're Not Crazy, It's Your Mother, Understanding and Healing for Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. Um, and I'm not here to say like I try to diagnose my mother because I think many times people get into that time of like, maybe she's this or maybe he's that. or We're wasting way too much time to try to be like armchair psychologist, right? But what I did is I recognized and resonated with some of this stuff. And one of, one of the things that kind of, helped me get to you was there's this one paragraph in here it says you're not broken and need a fixing you're perfectly and wonderfully made you are rather wounded and need of healing you're not crazy you're perfectly sane your perceptions are valid and right and you can trust your own reality and i knew what i needed to do because in this book it also talks about going no contact and it talks about the challenges of going no contact I needed, just like, as it talks about in this book, many narcissistic daughters feel very insecure and don't feel very confident to make that power move with their mother or whoever that other person is. And so it was so funny. If you remember that first time 
I came to you, it was right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't talked to her since that, since August. Um, I had told her I needed some time via text, of course. And I wanted to go no contact. And I came to you because I wanted to go no contact and I didn't want to go to Thanksgiving or Christmas because those are always super stressful holidays. And when I came to see you, because I knew, I knew that you had worked with people through relationships and you said, are you looking for permission just not to go to the holidays? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Dr. <laughs> Heidi, give me permission. And you're like, Shannon, you're a grown adult. You have permission not to go. And those, I think as simple as that sounds, gave me the freedom to say, again, my perceptions are real. My feelings are real. This is my reality. I'm a grown adult. And yes, I just asked another adult for permission, but I'm going to do this. So you gave me the courage to start taking those steps for healing. Yeah. So, and, and I know, you know, the, that mom did not, of course, like your steps in removing yourself to be I'm going to say healthier, but just to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and so after, when you didn't go to the holidays, what started to transpire over the next year or so mm-hmm. when we were working together? So I had to take a few steps, right? So when I decided to go non-contact, it was a few steps for me. So one, it was um, blocking her from any sort of social media, um, email, and uh, my phone, right? And I asked my husband to do the same because what would happen is that I'd start to get these messages that would try to draw you back in. You know, I'm so sorry this happened, but this is what you did to me. Mm-hmm. I really wish you would call me, but this is how I'm feeling what you've done to me, right? And you could just see how, and that it was my get back, even though I was no contact, it would just, it would just start again, right? And so my first step was, okay, I had to shut the messages down. Because it was just guilt all the time, you know. Well, and and through those messages, didn't she also throw in the "I can't believe that I can't see my grandsons"? Because mm-hmm. that's the other part of having children is that that's a difficult thing too. I've read many, many blogs and articles about women who want to go non-contact with maybe their their spouses or whoever it is. If there's children involved. That's the sticking point, right? Like, they, oh, I can't because of the kids. Well, what I had to come to is that this was not a healthy relationship for me. So how could it be a healthy relationship for anyone else? Because it wasn't healthy in my marriage. It wasn't healthy people around me because everyone around the situation were walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing. After that, I had to talk to my children. And because they actually they actually witnessed um, the kind of the conversation that was the tipping point. And I knew I was really upset. And I think it's part of like, well, even though I'm upset that I can't see grandma and grandpa, which I'll talk about in a second, that's the other sticking point when you go no contact, is, um, you know, I can't see grandma and grandpa. If you're saying that this is okay, mom, I trust you, right? Mm-hmm. I, I trust you in that. And so that was, so they were okay with that. Um, and at times, periodically, say, I, I miss grandma or I miss grandpa. And we talk about that. That's okay to miss. It's a real feeling, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is trying to, you know, just be surrounded by people who really bring us joy. And at this time, you know, grandma needed that time away from us. And they understood that they were younger. Um, but the other thing about that no contact is that you have to decide if you're going to no contact with everyone around that mm-hmm. person. 
and my mother, um, you know, is remarried and that person is very important, was very important to me and also to my children. Um, but you can't just pick for me. I couldn't just pick one without the other, mm -hmm. um, because the manipulation would have always tried to come in that I had to make a choice to go no contact with anyone involved because a part of, again, just using some of that narcissistic language, like the flying monkeys, right? The people who come at you out of nowhere to tell you what a horrible thing you're doing to your mother. You're killing your mother, this is unfair because well, they're only hearing that side. Yes, and I'm gonna interrupt you really quick because yeah. that that is something that I'll make the listeners aware of. Um, that's called triangulation with the toxic personality. If they can't get to you or they can't control um, they can't control you anymore. They're going to, they're going to try and control how other people see you. So they're going to try and draw other people into the situation to kind of get them on their side or get to you as a third party messenger to try and get, you know, their communication through to you anyway. So what did you decide to do with your, uh, stepdad then? So he just, so I, I, um, deleted all of his contacts as well. Um, you know, he's definitely, uh, more quiet, those sort of things. So I knew he wouldn't, you know, he'd respect that. Mm -hmm. um, and he did. And, but for the other folks um, in my life, because we had, you know, on kind of Facebook, for example, a lot of mutual friends. So all of those mutual friends, I deleted, um, including like my, my step siblings and things like that, anyone who was close to her. And I knew what I was doing of like, I'm going to have to break off these relationships because are, how important are they to me? Because what I didn't want happening, because I wanted to respect my mother also in this no contact, right? I'm making this choice. I wasn't trying to punish her. What I was doing was taking the freedom back into my life and my choices. So what I didn't want to happen is like her cousins or my step-siblings to be always, you know, talking about me to my mother and or what you said, triangulation, that they needed to get messages back to me because that has happened as well. I mean, one time I was going to therapy, um, seeing a therapist, and she started seeing the same therapist I did because she wanted to understand me better, right? Or calling some of my friends to say, you know, Shannon just hasn't been the same. Have you noticed anything? So those were things that were happening before that no contact. So I knew that she was capable of that triangulation. So I had to delete, block everyone that was kind of in that circle. And that was okay. That was a choice I had to make, but I think that's a big sticking point for a lot of people. Yes. And I, I think the sticking point is we feel guilty and we feel like we have to have an explanation for everything we do. And mm -hmm. the truth is, it, to Shannon's point, she is not trying to punish her mother. What she's trying to do is protect herself. And, and the only explanation we really need is it's not what's best for me. And what other people think and what other people are going to say is, is really none of our business because they've never walked in our shoes. But I, I do know that that's, that is difficult. You know, when I left, I, I had to do the same thing and I went through Facebook and the majority of people that I had mutual friends with my, my former um, toxic person were my patients. So here I'm going through and I am deleting anybody who I had mutual friends with with zero explanation. And I'm sure to this day, there's still probably some that think, geez, I wonder why she deleted me. But I just, I, I had to go through with the fact knowing I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this to hurt anybody else. And I think that that is very difficult for people. You know, yeah. because we, we already feel like we're losing certain things. 
And those, so then when you're cutting ties with all these other people, we start feeling like we're losing everybody. And, and, you know, I find that with relationships that are breaking up because the two parties within, you know, a marriage or a longstanding intimate relationship, the friends are the couple's friends. So when they choose to remove themselves, they have now lost that entire friend group. And you have to keep your focus on, yeah, but I'm doing this for me. And I think it is, it is difficult because we feel so much loss during that, that time. I think that when you talk about loss, that's the other thing that you're going to go through, right? In, in, in the steps, right? Because you have to, you go through mourning. Right. I went through mourning and it's a private mourning. Right. People don't understand that when you see people say, you know, I lost my mother and she was my best friend. Right. You when you go no contact, it is that reality that you're never going to have the relationship that you were dreaming of, that you thought it was. It is that reality. This is not the relationship that best fits you and your balance. Right. And it, it was sad, right? I mean, it was sad. I mean, and it's something that you just really can't talk to a lot of people about because they'll say, well, aren't you going to regret that? You know, people who have good, good relationship. But it's like, your mom. But it's, it's your mom. Aren't you going to regret that? What if something happened to her? And I'll be very honest. If something happened to her, she's already gone in my mind. That it's been four years now, you know? And I know that, you know, for some reason, if she hears that, it's going to be sad for her to hear. But the thing is, I've already grieved the relationship that I'm never going to have, that I really thought I was going to have. And I've come to peace with it. I'm not angry with her. Mm -hmm. I, I was angry at first, right? Like, how, wh why do we have to be here? Why can't you get it together? I cannot spend any more energy thinking about her whys. Mm -hmm. Why is she doing that? Why is she being manipulative? Why, again, not being the victim any longer, Shannon. That doesn't work for you because when you have that energy in your life, you get anxious, you second guess yourself, you don't, you know, you feel insecure, you feel small. I choose that because of that energy, get that energy out because I do have stronger relationships. I don't feel bad about my adult decisions, right? Um, and it's caused, it's flipping those, that script around, which does take a lot but, and you are going to be sad and you're going to be angry and it's going to be grieving a death, but it is the death of a relationship that you're never, ever going to have. And I think too, you know, over the years you had tried different things mm -hmm. to try and make the relationship better or to try and distance yourself. But, but in reality, what you found out is her in your life at any level was detrimental to you. It, it disrupted your peace. And that's what finally made your decision, you know, is, is me interacting with her going to bring me peace or is it going to disrupt my peace? And you found that you were okay with keeping yourself peaceful and keeping your life peaceful. Well, I tried to do limited contact, as you said, right? You can go LC and really kind of have those boundaries, but sometimes it's really hard to work with someone who doesn't see boundaries, is not going to respect boundaries, <laughs> you know? Um, and like I said, I, what I say is like, counting the cost, right? Like, well, you said this, you did this, and then it comes out. It's just like, so, you know, uh, probably about uh, a couple times, a couple times in, in this, like when you, so the phone calls went away and then mail started showing up, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and I, we, you and I talked about this, letters, and then I opened the letter up for some bizarre reason, reason or a card and all those messages that I didn't want via phone or social media, were there and I'm like why am I doing this to myself and I'd read it and I just felt right 
Well, then you and I talked about it and you're like, just throw it away. So I throw it away. But then I just got, then they just kept coming. So even though it wasn't, I felt like, I felt like I was going to start to become, is going to get gamey if I did this, but it did make it stop. Is I was, we, I would get thanks and I would put return to sender and put it back in the mail. It took a couple times doing that, but then it stopped. I will say though, um, it was stopped and things were fine for a while. You know, I was just at peace. And then um, she had, she had a therapist send me kind of like a, like a letter that she wanted to do kind of family therapy. That sounds really ideal, right? For probably a normal relationship going through something that's having its bumps, right? Yeah. Um, but knowing, again, the toxic part of our relationship, how it's worked, how she's been writing down in my mind, all of these things, I knew it wasn't a part about us working anything out. Remember, I've already mourned this. I've tried to go LC, I've go non-contact. And it's interesting in that book I was reading, it talks about therapy is a trick that a lot of toxic people like to play because you pull them in. Now you have a witness that in their mind is going to take sides with them back to that triangulation, right? But now this is a paid person and this is going to be different. And so I ignored that. And then probably, I guess the beginning, the end of last year, I did uh, get a letter from a mediator. Um, I knew this mediator. And um, so I was comfortable with her that my mother wanted to do mediation because she wanted to see the children, right? And my kids are, you know, about four years older now. I feel like they were in a better place that mm -hmm. they could decide themselves what's healthy, what's not healthy, right? And I was healthier to help them navigate that. I wasn't healthier to navigate them through toxic stuff four years prior, but I felt like I was in a better place. And they need to make some choices. So um, I talked to the kids and I, and I gave them the choice. Like, do you want to have a relationship with them? There's going to be some rules around it. Do you want to? My youngest one was like, eh, I don't know. Right. And then my oldest one was like, mm, it's worth a try. Right. They were, they, they were kind of just in this gray area which I think is normal, just kind of their ages then and now. Well, and, and they're probably worried that if they say yes, mom might be mad and they might hurt mom's feelings. So they were probably a little concerned about saying. What's mom? Right, right. Protective, right? Um, and so I called the mediator and I bas and basically said, listen, there's no mediation needed. This is because mediation, right? You talk, I talk, you talk, talk. And we kind of common ground, right? That's not going to work in this relationship. I've already been there, done that. This is not working. And so, and it felt so empowering to do this. I basically said to um, the mediator, I'm going to allow this relationship because my kids want to, not because she's asking what my kids want to. And I think that they deserve to have that if that's what they want, but here are the rules, right? And so my husband and I set some rules, very reasonable rules about how that was going to look like for her. And I will say, you know, I was a little bit nervous at first about opening that door. For sure. And in a few things, a few, I'm gonna say just maladaptive behaviors kind of came back in, but I feel so much at freedom um, that I can, I can see these, see what they are for face value and let it go. Because one of the things that I said in there was, 
this relationship that you're building is with the kids. My husband and I do not choose to have a relationship with you, right? So when you communicate, you can communicate with me and me only via text, right? Because again, words are words. My texts are there. Now, can she interpret text? Can anyone interpret text how they want? Sure. But now we have the message back and forth. And I will say it's, 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 it's so interesting. Like she was all like, I've got to have this relationship and I got to do this. And now that she's had it, she doesn't care. Not really. Yeah. Not really. Um, it's, it's the game, right? Um, and it's funny, the uh, cards, the, the cards in the mail started again, right? And um, this time, now when the cards arrive, your uh, return address, she leaves it blank. So I'd have to put it in there to return address the sender. But now in a place I'm like, oh, for flip's sake, right? Um, you know, really this is where we are. And it just validates kind of just who I am, that I made the right choice for who I am. And I can just look at this and go, pitch in the trash. Because yeah. it's not worth time or energy to think about why she does what she does. And my kids will figure it out. Yeah. And and in reality, it didn't really have anything to do with the relationship with the kids. It had everything to do with her trying to get back in a spot where she could have some control over you, get your attention, you know, cause your life to have a little upheaval so that she felt in control. And it's very evident. I see the same thing in co-parenting situations, you know, they want the kids 50% of the time. They want the kids 50% of the time until they have them 50% of the time. Okay. They only want them 50% of the time because they don't want you to have them. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with the kids. So, so I guess I hadn't been caught up on that. I mean, I knew that you had allowed that relationship, but I didn't realize that it had kind of dwindled out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not what you, you know, think as someone who's been so gung ho about it, mm-hmm. eh, you know, um, and which is fine. And, and it fits back in my lifestyle of really don't want her there. Yeah. I've allowed, you know, my, my kids wanted it. So I allowed it. I still have a very strong, I, I still have my strong boundaries. Um, she'll try to push the rules. You know, I have some rules about distances or times and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll try to push that. Um, there's no overnight, things like that. And she'll say, she'll try to push it. Nope. You, and and all, all I have to say now, you remember the plan, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, actually you talk about that control, you know, that irritates the snot out of her because I have control in this relationship. Whereas before she tried to control me my entire life. So that's when the no contact really got her because she couldn't control me anymore. Mm-hmm. She couldn't just bomb me with, with negative texts. If I didn't speak to her first, when I walked into the room, right. Mm-hmm. How I was ignoring her and things like that. I didn't have to do that anymore. And now when she's kind of back in a bit with these rules, ugh, she yeah. doesn't like that either, but I'm okay with it because my, now that balance is there is where my, I don't feel like I'm keeping my kids from anything. I'm trusting my kids. I think I've done a pretty good job raising them to be who they are and, you know, love people and they can love grandma. Like yeah. I love her too. Right. And, um, and that's a big, that's a big thing too, allowing the kids to make the decision that they want to, on the type of relationship that they want to have with her without it, you dictating that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, like you said, you're there to guide them, but ultimately they, they will eventually get to make the decision on the relationship. So we don't, we don't want to keep it, make excuses for grandma's behavior. They need right. to be able to see her true colors so that when the time comes, they're able to make an educated decision for themselves. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I have seen the transformation. Um, I'm curious to what, what you say about not necessarily how you're different in that relationship, but how have you seen the other areas of your life impacted by you choosing yourself in this situation? I'm much in all areas of my life is knowing my worth, you know, um, when it comes to employment, you know, when it comes to being on a team, when it comes to any relationships is that I know my worth and I'm not going to feel bad about that, right? Mm-hmm. Of who I am and what I want. And I'm not afraid to ask, you know, I'm not afraid to ask for what I want because I think if you're in the toxic relationship, <clears throat> whatever it may be, we start to get a little bit sensitive, right? We're sensitive to judgment um, and being judged. And I think that's something that I've always struggled with. I've always struggled with this little like uh, tape in my head that will come on periodically that says, you're just not good enough, right? Like if I'm struggling with something, well, it's because you're not good enough. You're never gonna be able to do that, right? And um, that, that, I can recognize that now, whatever it is, if it's trying to move up in a position or, you know, speaking my mind and, you know, an executive team where someone disagrees with me, I'm not going to back down, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to be, because oftentimes in the relationship with my mother, when I would speak up, I was always something, right? There was something, what's wrong with you? Why are you so angry? Mm-hmm. Why, you know? And, and, and that was the thing is more name calling. I got or, that. I felt overreacting that. or sensitive. Yeah. Yes. And so oftentimes when I would start to know my worth and speak up, if someone would come at me, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right. I must be overreacting. And what I've learned now is that I'm not bossy. I'm just overly helpful. Right. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that I can be who I am. And not have to apologize for that because I, you know, it's that golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated. And I feel like that's how, you know, I try to live my life. That I had to go through that rinse, rinse, rinse and repeat cycle of like, is this okay? Would I want to be like this? Yeah, but I also think, because you and I have this in common, um, after going through the things that we've been through, we know that we know that we are emotionally driven people. We are the kind, the caring, the giving, because that's how we're wired. It's not that we're tooting our own horns that we're kind, caring, and giving, but we're the supporters. We're the ones that want to be there for people. And I think one of the things that both you and I have learned is we have a good personality that is going to attract the personality that wants to take advantage of us. And what you and I have both done is we accept who we are. We love who we are, but we are a lot more picky about the people that we show our good gifts to. You know, we invest more in the people that that we know are going to invest in us. And we we are a lot more well, I'll just say picky again about those that we give our good gifts to because we're the ones that are out there to be all things to all people and and you and I have both learned the hard way that it's impossible impossible to do that. And and I mean, I just see it in your in your work career since since you going through this thing with your mom and really figuring out who Shannon is without somebody telling her who she is and 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 you know you you were in a a big company for a while and you decided that wasn't the place for you and you didn't force yourself to stay there 
you just literally said, this isn't what's best for me anymore. And I'm moving on. And even though, even though it is scary to do stuff like that, I think we both know that no matter what happens, we're both going to be okay. And that is such a comforting thing to know. So what would be one thing that you would let our listeners know who would be struggling with the toxic parent situation? Because there's a lot of people listening that are doing that right now. I think it's finding, you have to find your courage, right? And sometimes it is that tipping point. Um, I think you really have to think about what you want your life to look like. And like I said, it's making those choices for yourself. It's not what you're doing to other people because you're going to hear that. What do you need to do to for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we can be selfish for once because if we've been in toxic relationships. As you said, Heidi, we give it all, right? We're giving it all. We're, you know, whatever we needs to happen. And now this is the time for us to pause, reflect and say, what do I need to give myself? I want to give myself peace and I need to make those healthier paths for myself. So there's, there's no, there's no magic pill for this. You will know when the time is right. You need to make sure that you have your tribe that's going to support you in this. You know, I had Dr. Heidi in my tribe. I had, you know, my husband, I had my best friend um, and I had my sister and my sister actually has a, a somewhat relationship with my mother, which is okay. And I had to let my sister know that's all right. I love you. And this has nothing to do with you, but she, I had her support as well. So Dr. Heidi, I would just say, find your tribe, love yourself. And when you're, t- when you're ready to get off that hamster wheel of life of the same chaos every day, do it because your the grass really is greener. You know, the sun is brighter because that anxiety and that bubble gut feeling goes away. And you mentioned find your courage. And we know that courage is the heart to act in spite of fear. Courage is not the heart to act in absence of fear. So she's not saying just go out there and find your courage and do it. And it's not going to be scary and you're not going to have difficulty. It is super scary and it is difficult, but courage is the heart to do it anyway, because you're doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finding people who can relate. If it's a, if it's a support group, you know, of other, of other people going through toxic relationships, you know, if it's books or whatever it is, it's that validation you need during that time that you're okay. Because you will hear a lot of people tell you, oh, it's, it's your mother or it's your husband or it's your father or whoever it is. You can make this better, right? We've tried. Mm-hmm. We've tried. And that's not working. And who only suffers in that is us. Mm-hmm. So you have to, yes, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. But I can tell you, I can tell you four years later, I was just saying to someone a few months ago, you know, I went back to my hometown, which I hadn't been to in several years because my, my grandfather passed and I drove through town and I haven't felt that sense of peace in a long time that really anything coming at me, I'm not going to say that I'm going to get it right, but I'm going to, I'm going to try really hard to figure it out. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here today. I know that people that are hearing your story are, are going to really resonate with with the parent thing, because as we know, the guilt comes in as soon as, yeah, but it's your parent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I appreciate it. And, and I already know we have talked about doing, doing future episodes with you because you've got, you've got more to your story. So hopefully we'll be able to get that going at some point, but I appreciate you being here and taking the time for the, it's not normal. It's toxic. Thank you, Dr. Hardy.